When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, today's show is the second part of a series we started just yesterday with an episode we called The Ferguson Effect. If you haven't had a chance to listen to that one, you might like today's story even better if you go back and check it out. Either way, here we go. It's hard to paint with a broad brush because everyone has such differing opinions on everything that's happening here. Chris Palmer works at the Philadelphia Inquirer, where he covers criminal justice. He talked to me from the middle of his newsroom. You know what I mean? Even within the system itself, um, which makes it really fun to cover, uh, but also challenging in the way of offering sweeping observations for a podcast that could be listened to by any of those people who have a different opinion. (laughs) I called him up because I wanted him to explain just how quickly Philadelphia's approach to criminal justice is changing. He is a reporter's reporter. He doesn't like to say more than he knows. What we do know is that in 2018, prosecutors filed um, 18% fewer cases than in 2017. If you look back even further, like five years ago, Philadelphia prosecutors today, they're filing half as many cases. This isn't because crime has plummeted. It's because the city is rethinking how crime gets punished, even what constitutes a crime in the first place. In the last year, this trend has been supercharged by a brand new district attorney named Larry Krasner. Chris says to understand what Krasner's up to, you have to come with him to one courtroom in Center City, Philadelphia, this case he was watching last summer. And the DA himself had actually attended this uh, proceeding, which was a bit unusual because the top prosecutor, you know, normally in the past has not attended these types of things. This was a murder case. An up-and-coming real estate developer, a guy named Sean Skellinger, had been killed after getting into a fight with a food delivery guy named Michael White. It's the kind of crime that can get a lot of attention. The room was packed. There were a lot of people watching. Michael White was, you know, all of his friends say he's not a he's not a killer. He was a guy who was trying to make his way through college. He had a promising future. And so they wanted him out on bail. So the DA gets up says, we're not going to prosecute this as a first-degree murder. In Pennsylvania, that means the accused killer can get out on bail. That means he won't be facing a mandatory life sentence. The victim's family was not happy. New at 11 tonight, the mother of the real estate developer murdered in Center City, Philadelphia, has given Action News a scathing reaction to charges being reduced in her son's killing. And the family directed their anger at one person the new district attorney, Larry Krasner. Skellinger's mother says tonight, quote, I was manipulated by Larry Krasner. He was intellectually dishonest. I wanted to trust him. He breached and abused that trust. Schellinger's mother told us later that she confronted Krasner after the hearing and told him that she thought that she didn't want to be a pawn advancing his political agenda. This was about six months after Larry Krasner had been sworn in as a DA on a very bold agenda. He really he wanted to change the way the DA's office 
was operating. For him to take this case that had all of these elements that attracted a lot of attention. I mean, it was Michael White, who was a young African-American, and Sean Schellinger, who was a wealthy white developer. This controversial stabbing in a, in a rich neighborhood with two sides that were very outspoken and passionate. And for Krasner to, in this case, say, I'm going to handle this differently based on what he thought were the facts, I just thought it was a, a fascinating example of how the DA's office was different than six months beforehand. Yesterday on the show, we introduced you to a prosecutor in St. Louis, Missouri, who is trying to change how criminal justice works from the inside. Today, we're going to see what happens when you actually try to implement these kinds of reforms. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Today, we're going to Philly. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So let's talk about Larry Krasner a little bit. He was sort of swept into office about a year ago. Yeah, he was elected in November of 2017. He was sworn in at the beginning of 2018. So was he kind of a long shot candidate? Tell me a little bit about who he is. He certainly was an unconventional candidate in the history of uh, Philadelphia prosecutors. Krasner had been a defense attorney for three decades or so in Philadelphia. He started out as a public defender, and then he went out on his own and had been a, a defense attorney and a civil rights attorney in Philly for a long time. And a lot of what he specialized in were cases that would not be something that would you would imagine as a prerequisite for a prosecutor. He sued the police department upwards of 75 times. He defended protesters pro bono. He represented Black Lives Matter. He was uh, he defeated a, a host of other former prosecutors. And he kind of ran on this idea that, like, listen, we all, if everyone thinks the system is broken, then products of the system shouldn't be the ones running it, right? He kind of came in and said, I, I have different ideas for how we can do this and, and use the fact that he wasn't a prosecutor almost as his, his calling card. And he was really blunt and outspoken during the campaign about how he thought that the system was off the rails. Culture of the DA's office is like a sports culture. They try to maximize convictions and maximize years. And it's a failed approach. It has made things worse instead of making them better. And initially, I think there were some questions about, can you win on that kind of a platform? The head of the police union, for example, was quoted calling Krasner's candidacy hilarious. And Krasner himself, uh, I think even since he's been elected, has said that, you know, he was not a typical politician. But he, he easily defeated his Democratic counterparts in the primary. And then Philly being a heavily Democratic city, he won the general election easily as well. Even, you know, and the police union endorsed his opponent, which obviously didn't make much of a difference in the general election, but he, he was a unique candidate for sure. So, so the police union 
endorses his rival, a Republican, and then he has to get into office and actually work with these guys. Yes and no. I I think, uh, obviously, the police in a city like Philadelphia, they're investigating uh, and arresting people and handing cases over to prosecutors uh, to take into court. It has not been an especially harmonious relationship between Krasner and the FOP in the year that he's been in office. When he first took office last year, what were the kind of things that he did? Like, how did he how did he take charge? So the biggest thing that he did, and one that I think set the tone for his administration and is still something that a lot of his critics bring up, is that in his first week, he fired 31 prosecutors, which the office has about 600 staffers, about 300 of which are lawyers. So, you know, that's a significant shakeup. And it was done on a snow day. The office was actually closed. And 31 people start getting calls to come into the office. And then they were told, uh, from what we've heard, they were told to hand in their resignation. And if they didn't, then they would be fired the next week. And it sent huge shockwaves through through the city's legal community, which it's like a small town, right? People have practiced for a long time. Everyone knows each other. And so the fact that he was coming in and telling 31 people to leave was a big deal. Once every week or two, he would announce a new policy or he would announce staffing shakeups or he would announce different initiatives. And it was really kind of a remarkable start. He changed the office's policy on marijuana and said he wasn't going to prosecute cases. He he said there were going to be a list of crimes for which he was going to no longer uh, request cash bail from a judge. He hired an immigration attorney to change the way that the office dealt with certain undocumented immigrants and what types of charges they would face in order to prevent them from facing deportation or other immigration-related consequences. And then one of the more significant things that affected a lot of different areas in his office was he unveiled this policy memo that touched on a variety of different things, including how long prosecutors would seek sentences for. He said, from now on, we want to go under the minimum guidelines for a lot of crimes and how we sentence. We no longer want to prosecute certain cases like low-level type theft cases. And that kind of stuff is important because it feels like in Pennsylvania, if you're charged with murder, you're in prison for life. There are these strict rules about what it means once you've passed a certain threshold, right? Right. And that's Krasner's whole philosophy and his whole point. You know, he campaigned on a platform to try and reduce, if not dismantle, mass incarceration. And so he wanted shorter probation terms. And part of the rationale is he said, you know, we can see that if you have longer probation terms, you're more likely to violate probation and then get stuck in the criminal justice system. If you have these misdemeanor type cases, that can create a scenario where you are in this cycle where you're constantly getting arrested and reincarcerated. And so these directives were all aimed at trying to reduce, if not dismantle, mass incarceration. And some of the things, frankly, have been tried elsewhere, right? Like cash bail is going through a 
a moment nationally where people are realizing that there are other ways to do it. Washington, D.C. has long not relied on cash bail. New Jersey largely eliminated it. California recently changed it. But this was Krasner taking a look and saying, we're going to try and change some things quickly in order to kind of rethink how the prosecutor's office is going to operate. How many prosecutors does he oversee? About 300 or so. How have these people responded to the fact that their boss changed, and not just their boss, but the whole philosophy of what they do? That's a good question. I wish I had like a scientific survey that I could give you a representative sample. There are certainly ADAs who disagree with this philosophy. There are certainly ADAs who agree with his philosophy, but might question the way certain things have been handled. And then he has been on a hiring spree recently, too, to try and really change the culture of the office. In the first year, he visited somewhere around two dozen law schools across the country. He personally visited those schools to try and recruit young attorneys. He has spoken frequently about how he wants people with the right, I think his phrase is a a moral compass, You know, he keeps saying that culture eats policy, right? He wants the right type of people in there. In a matter of months, the right type of person for the DA's office had changed. Larry Krasner was looking for people with a moral compass, but it was as if the poles of the earth had flipped. If you were prosecuting suspects to the full extent of the law, that wasn't true north anymore. Prosecutors and police weren't the only ones pushing back against the new order. Judges started balking too. You know, the most prominent examples, the Conviction Integrity Unit. It's a unit that was designed to look at wrongful convictions and potential instances of injustice and figure out ways to right those injustices. And Krasner expanded that unit almost as soon as he came into into office and empowered it with new responsibilities that it didn't have in the past. And there were five cases that it took before judges in 2018. And in three instances, for varying reasons, judges rejected the office's request. And some of them were what the office viewed as just plainly illegal sentences or easy issues that they could say, listen, this is wrong. Here's the proof. We need to correct this. You know, but what I found really interesting was that the head of Krasner's Conviction Integrity Unit, she she said that she thinks some of the factors that have gone into these rejections have been closer scrutiny on Krasner because of who he is. She said that in previous administrations, when a prosecutor's office came in to a judge and said, listen, we think there's an error here, we think it needs to be corrected, judges would typically say, okay, because this happens so infrequently that there was a level of trust that like, okay, they must really they must really want this to be the case because otherwise they wouldn't have agreed to it. Patricia Cummings, who heads up Krasner's Conviction Integrity Unit, she, she said that she thinks that because of Krasner's kind of outspoken beliefs, she thinks that judges are giving it a closer look and maybe pushing back harder than they otherwise would have. I mean, publicly, Larry Krasner has said he thinks all this is growing pains. Do you buy that? Hmm. I think that what has been so interesting is to watch how policy gets put into practice. Krasner has not been afraid to take dramatic action, that he has, like I said, from the first week kind of set a tone that he wanted to operate that office differently than people had in the past. Watching that develop in an environment where he is not the only actor, right? There are judges. 
there is a 6,500-member police force. There are 300 prosecutors who work for him. There are defense attorneys. To watch how everyone has reacted and to watch how he has tried to navigate all those dynamics has been kind of the most interesting part of the first year. I mean, we just did a story about Wesley Bell, the new St. Louis prosecutor, making similar promises on the first day in office, also firing people. I wonder if you see what's happening with Larry Krasner as a little bit of a cautionary tale. I don't know if I'd say cautionary tale. I think one of the things, whatever anyone thinks of Krasner, he has been kind of unapologetic in his momentum. You know, he has not really let anything try to stop what he what he wants to accomplish with the office. And he has spoken up about it and not been afraid of potential political blowback. Does that mean it's gone smoothly all the time? Uh, certainly I think I think you can there you can find plenty of examples where there's been controversy, but I think he clearly has has tried to stick to what he said. Chris Palmer, thank you so much for chatting with me a little bit. My pleasure. Thanks. Chris Palmer is a reporter for the Philadelphia Inquirer. And that's the show. What Next is hosted by me, Mary Harris. Our supervising producer is Mary Wilson. Our senior producer is Jason DeLeon. And our assistant producer is Anna Martin. If you want to find me during business hours, try Twitter. I'm at Mary's desk. Talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow. 